Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 133. And today we have the producers of a new documentary or a documentary they're working on called The Monster Inside Me. And they are Francis Martinez and Tony Silva. And... Aurora is still on vacation, traveling the West Coast with her twin sister. And the last photos I saw were of them in a day spa living the good life. So don't feel so bad for Aurora. You can, however, feel sorry for me. (laughs) However, I do have you to talk to. So that's always a pleasure. In this episode, we're going to learn about how Tony and Francis fought to keep their relationship intact during the darkest part of their Lyme journey. We also talk about how their creative process as artists and movie makers help them shed light on their understanding of Lyme disease and also the importance of faith and friends in healing. I'd also like to take a moment right now and give a little thank you or a big thank you, I should say, to Todd, Jeremy, Lillian, Jonathan, Gwen, JC, James, Joanne, Matt, and Adriana for subscribing to Lime Ninja Radio. We really appreciate the support and every little bit goes a long way. If you want to join their ranks and help us out a little bit, you can do for as little as $4 a month. We really appreciate any donation that you can make, subscription payment. And there are slightly higher levels too. It goes with $4, $8, and $12 level. And if there's that's too much of a stretch for you, and I know so many people with Lyme disease are completely bankrupt, literally bankrupt, just spread the word. If you're on Facebook, just share the post like us. We appreciate anything you can do to help get this important message out into the world. Okay. Tony Silva and Francis Martinez are a couple They love the arts, film, photography, beauty, and the truth. Their mission is to raise awareness about this horrible disease, Lyme disease, but they also want the world to truly understand what it's like to have it and to be in the middle of the madness of Lyme disease. Tony is a native of the Amazon state in Brazil. However, he grew up in the U.S. and in his mid-30s began working with movies and documentaries. Currently, he's finishing a full-length documentary entitled I Don't Want to Die, which is about the healthcare system here in America and cancer treatment. Frances grew up near the Rocky Mountains, and she started showing a deep passion for photography in her early 20s and went on to study at the Art Institute of Colorado. Today, she's a full-time professional photographer and travels around the country capturing everything from nature to weddings. So please sit back and enjoy our interview with Francis and Tony. Francis and I are kind of like in a, in a high, we got um, free tickets. The Phoenix Phoenix symphony gave us free tickets to go see Beethoven's ninth symphony. And um, I went to, um, so they gave us six tickets and I reached out to two of our social producers, assistant producers. 
they couldn't come. So I went to the clinic in Vita where Francis got treatment. And I got a couple of people say, Hey, I got these tickets and get out of the, get out of the clinic for a day, get out of the house, come see something that's going to touch your soul. You know, come watch, come, come with us. And, and, and there's a couple of people said, yeah, and they, they came, you know, they showed up. One guy, he has a, uh, what's it called? A walking stick. What's it called? Francis? What you, you, you yeah, pointed it out. The cane. See, that's, He's a real young guy. He showed up with a yeah, young guy with dark glasses, so sensitive that he had to put earplugs. When people were clapping, he'd stick earplugs in his ears, man. But uh, it was amazing to see him enjoying, you know, Beethoven's Ode to Joy. You know, it was, uh, so we, we just got home not too long ago from that. So it's been a fantastic day, man. So that, that's my Perfect question data. for you, Francis, with that. And with this, let's just jump right into the interview. Okay. With all those, with neurological symptoms, it, it was something like that too stimulating. Not anymore. There, there was a particular time when I was going through treatment where I felt a lot of that. You know, I couldn't. I remember when I was in treatment, um, I had to go into the dark, quiet room and just not listen to anyone. Um, otherwise, yes, there was way too much stimulation, sensory stimulation. So, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Um, maybe occasionally when I'm having a, you know, really rough day, which are becoming, um, fewer these days. So that's good. (laughs) So maybe we should have a new test. It's the ode to joy test. If you can make it through Beethoven's ninth. You're well on your way <laughs> to recovery. Right, right. That last movement. Yeah. So what oh, was yeah. that? What was that? What was that like for for both of you? Now, can I ask? Are you just professional partners, or is there more to the partnership than just making a movie together? Am I? Oh no, treading? there's more. There's we're, more. Yeah, there's there's more. We're we're we've been together now for two years. We are lovers. We are lovers. As well. That's great. So what was that like to be able to go to, I mean, you've been through Lyme disease at its worst. And the the name of your documentary is The Monster Inside Me. And we all know just by the title of this kind of what you've been through. I mean, not the details, but we know when you're calling something a monster, it's been a tough ride. So what was it like today being able to go out to such, I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's a bombastic. I had a d- director once. I played French horn for a while. He used to call pieces like that bombastic. That's bombastic. Oh. That's a bombastic <laughs> piece, man. It gets full right. out loud. You got a full choir going on. You got all this noise, joyful noise, but all this noise going on. So what's it like yeah. to be able to kind of reenter the world and absorb all that stimulation yeah. and be moved by it and not damaged by it? What was that like? Yeah, it was it was fabulous. It was excellent. I mean, and, and today here in Arizona, it's like 82 degrees, and right across the street was the fabulous floor going on. So on the way to the symphony, I mean, there's people everywhere. It, it's like summer out here. And, um, and I remember I did make a comment about, wow, it's so nice to be out here enjoying this because, um, you know, I felt bad for the gentleman who joined us who's currently going through treatment. And I, um, after we were finished, I remember telling Tony, I said, I don't remember 
spending any weekend during those three or four months of treatments where I would have been able to go out, out and handle anything like that. And so today was a great day. <laughs> and great days are good. So good. Now, what, at what point yeah. during this treatment, this two years of treatment, or how, how long has it been since you've been under treatment? So, Francis? Um, I fell ill um, exactly two years ago um, this month. I, I, um, and then about a year later is when I started treatment because, you know, just like so many other stories, the first year I was improperly diagnosed and I was treating for something else that I had been clinically diagnosed with, um, but I wasn't getting better. So, um, yeah, it, it's been a two-year journey at this point. And then, Tony, at what point did you say, you know yeah. what, I need to put my video filmmaking skills to use here and document <laughs> this? It was at a point that actually was it was the very beginning where both Francis and I have something in common where we're we're communicators, we're expressive, we're artists. That's I guess that's the the big it factor. We're both artists. And artists we live to express our art. That's what we do. There is no other life. So sick or not, you want to express that art. And this art came in the in the form or the possibility of this art came in the form when um, we decided to get her treatment and we said right at the very beginning, let's let's shoot your treatment and if you get better, let's shoot some intimate like an intimate journal of how you push through and you and you pierce through the darkness, if you will, because we were told by the doctors there you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So what if we film that just for fun, do a little a short film kind of thing, you know? So that was the moment where um, we began filming. But, of course, we didn't know that there would be there would there would indeed be a monster lurking in the dark. <laughs> right. So, so there we went ahead and filmed that, too. I mean, so um, we're kind of chuckling now on on the back end of that. Yeah. But I encourage you listening to have a look at the trailer and there's some moments there where this fun little video gets really real in a hurry and yeah. you will, you will see yourself in, in these moments. Uh, I'm, I'm sure of it. It'll resonate with so many people out there. So at some point, this you ever, I'm sorry, go ahead. This resonation that you're talking about is what then got us to um, say, look, this is not a short film. This is a, a full-length feature film. Right. But then from the full-length feature film, it went to a movement. Now, we decided to make this a full-length feature and even send it to the film festival circuit and so forth because we got thousands of emails. When we, when we uh, published the first teaser about showing the monster inside me, Thousands of people saying, that's me. Oh, oh my God, what blah, blah, blah. You know, and so we thought, wow, we got something here. What if we use this medium, film, to give people hope? And then it evolved into, but what if instead of giving people hope, what if we are on a journey 
to find out more about this Lyme rage, among other things that are themed in our film. But what if we not only gave people hope, but we gave them also a way out, something that they could watch and at the end say, okay, I, I can do this. I'm going to beat this monster. I'm going to fight. And on the other side, I know I'm going to come out victorious. Because we, we felt reading, like I said, hundreds and hundreds of emails and messages from Lyme disease patients that the easiest thing in this disease that we saw this firsthand is to give up and isolate. Yeah. So um, we decided to um, make it where um, we would uh, hit on all chords at once, if you will, you know. Um, when we first started, well, when I first started treatment, and I say we because, you know, in all actuality, it was both of us. And it's like, um, it's almost like Tony lived through Lyme as well, right? I mean, just by mm-hmm. his experience of dealing with me, <laughs> we, neither one of us knew what we were in for. And, um, as he said, we originally thought we were just going to do something simple and small to share on YouTube. You know, it's just, document your journey, so to speak. And then um, he finally convinced me to take it public and just drop a little teaser on Facebook. And as Tony mentioned, I mean, just the outpour of response that we received was amazing. I I really fought him in the beginning because, you know, that's very real and raw footage of myself. And there were a lot of people, even some friends and family members who didn't even know that I was that sick or who didn't even know that I had moved from Colorado to Arizona to receive, you know, three or four months worth of treatment. So There's the isolation. I went, I went from being very private and, and as a person, I'm very private to being very public. So that was huge for me to, to come around to that point where I had agreed. Okay. But what changed with me is once the, we got refused, we got feedback from the people who were responding who were identifying with what I had went through. It just blew me away because there were so many times where I felt so alone and so isolated and um, felt like a freak, you know, like I'm the only one going through this or I must be crazy or, you know, (laughs) there's an alien living in me and nobody's going to understand what this is all about. But when people started coming forward, um, it was almost like a relief for me to uh, to have others identify with what I was going through, and I knew at that moment that we were on to something really big. Catharsis, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Great, um, great little paragraph there, Francis. Was... Yeah. At at this point where you're where you've put the video up on Facebook and begin to get this feedback, had you turned the corner yet in your treatment? And you know what I mean by that. Um, let me see. So I think he launched the teaser in November, and by November I had yeah. completed um, aggressive treatment. You know, I went through IV um, antibiotics and uh, supplements and all those things. So. By November, I was coming around. Yes, uh, it or- had already been. Uh, I completed treatment in July of um, 2016, 
and he, I think he put the first teaser out in November of 2016. So, um, you know, I'm not 100% or not even at this point 90% recovered, but I am doing so much better than I was, um, you know, before and during treatment. Now, this is a question for both mm-hmm. of you, and I'll, mm-hmm. Francis, I'll ask it to you first. Many of the people who have Lyme talk about, at some point, Lyme being their teacher and really mm. instilling upon them re- really profound life lessons. So I'm mm. going to ask you first, and then I'm going to ask you, Tony, even though you oh my, have Oh, it. my goodness. Yeah, but so hang on. Yeah. <laughs> so, Francis. What no, have, now you've hit the crux of the Yeah. So, Francis, what, what has Lyme taught you so far? And I know your journey's not over yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this is probably the most important factor of the film that we're making is because it has made such a huge impact on me. Um, first of all, it's completely humbled me, you know. <laughs> I mean, that, it's very humbling when you're, for myself, when I was used to living a life of just being a as an artist, a huge free spirit, and I did a lot of traveling, hanging out with friends. I mean, I could get up and go at any moment. I was very um, adventurous, and you know, I I was an avid runner. I was I have I run half marathons and I participated in things like the Warrior Dash and all of that. And so when suddenly all of my freedom and independence was taken away from me, I really felt like I had a um, that I had a a moment with my mortality, you know, like all of a sudden I found myself questioning, what is this? What's going on with me? How is this going to affect the rest of my life? Am I going to get through this? Am I going to live or am I going to die? I mean, in the beginning, I had no idea it was Lyme, but um, it, it just started changing me because then I, I had to alter my perception and I, I, saw that I was no no longer able to take for granted just having a friend call me up on the spur of the moment and say, hey, let's hang out and go do this. And, um, you know, I'm like, well, no, I can't plan for Friday or Saturday because I don't know how I'll be feeling. Today I am completely wiped out. And at that time in my life, I mean, I would probably be able to get one major task accomplished on the weekends, and and that was it. And then I was done. I I spent a lot of time in bed. And so I think that was my first experience with with just having my eyes opened, you know, to this (laughs) new perception of life where suddenly... Um, and, and then things got deeper along the way. Suddenly I learned that life wasn't all just about me. And I think one of the other major factors that happened is um, I began responding more to others and their needs, um, becoming more compassionate. Um, I think I went through a phase in my life where I was doing so many things for me and trying to advance, you know, in my career and my adventures and all that, that I kind of forgot about everyone else um, to the point of, you know, being very compassionate um, and moved by hurting people. And now, you know, I see all these people suffering and I can't help myself but to be moved by this illness and to um, 
just to have a new message about life, you know, to share with other people who don't understand. Brilliant. Thank you. And Tony, same question. Yeah, well, um, I think that Lyme begs a question, which is, is this disease the end? You know, is it, um, is that it? Not that you're going to die. That's not what I'm talking about. Is once you get Lyme, that's it, you get it. It's, 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 uh, oh, shucks. Dang it. I got Lyme. Now I have to, well, we found out that it's not. We found out that we've interviewed already a handful of people and they've all, they all share something very interesting. It seems that Lyme doesn't hit people that were bored, you know, living in their mom's basement, not wanting to do anything. But they're usually people that already had a lot of life, quote unquote, and zest. And, and, uh, and then they just get stopped on their tracks and they don't understand. And whenever we speak to somebody that's now a Lyme advocate, always says that. I was so, I was an athlete. I was this. I had four jobs. I, I ran three companies. And, and so we've come to see by, through interviewing different people and by studying that, um, and I'm going to get spiritual on you here, McKay, and this is your radio station. You can obviously edit whatever you want, or this is your radio show, I mean. But uh, what we saw is that it, it seems that God just stops people in their tracks um, with Lyme and rearranges things inside mind, body, and spirit. And if you fight through and you pierce through this darkness that hits on your door, you come out better on the other side. Now, there's a, here's, a, here's a problem with my statement. I'm not saying that Lyme is a huge blessing and let's, let's all run to get bit by ticks because your life's going to become better. I'm saying once you get Lyme, you have to get treatment. You have to because it's a disease that kills. You have to get better because relationships are falling apart because of Lyme. But at the same time, while you're doing that, you've got to keep your eyes open because there are spiritual things going on in your, in your soul, in your spirit. There are things going on in your mind that if you pierce through as a warrior, you know, the, the, as, a, I'm even, as the ninja that you're, that you're even using here, if you pierce through the other side, you will not be the same. You will not be the same. And, and um, that to me has been very exciting to see you know, and one of the reasons why I'm making this film, to be honest. Yeah. That's all very beautifully said. Thank you for that. And you bring up a very Thank interesting you. point that has, it gets hinted around, and I don't often have couples on, so I'm going to ask you again. Sure. Tony, it's, you know, you were taking care of Francis, helping her the best you can. Yeah. Who, who was taking yeah. care of you? Mm, that's a good one. Mm, that is a good one. I don't think anybody was. Um, so did you I hit did a also, point? Have you hit points where yeah. you're getting ready to, you know, it's like this ain't worth it? Oh, yeah. You go through all kinds of um, ups and downs. And um, I mean, just if you interview any couple, there are moments where you want to leave. You want to call it quits. So we actually did a few times and we'd come back, you know, and. Um, I have uh, a couple of really good friends that, that kept telling me on a daily basis that they were praying for me, and um, that's that's uh, in terms of help. That's that's it, you know. And and, and this also reflects what happens almost a hundred percent of the times with couples in in relationships where one person has Lyme and the other one uh, doesn't. And um, I tell you, just 
just a couple weeks ago, I started a Facebook group called Men Open um, Men's Lime uh, Open Discussion Group, and men only can join. You know, and it was interesting to see men coming in and saying, "Oh, I just." I, I just need to talk to somebody. My wife is doing this and blah, 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 and, and I don't know what to do. And I, and I just, I realized the partner of the Lyme patient is suffering as well, just as much. The partner is isolating themselves too, because you come to a point, especially if you're a man, it comes, you come to a point where, because we're fixer uppers, right? We want to fix things. There's a, a, a period in time that you see that you cannot fix Lyme. You just can't. And you can't fix that person that all of a sudden has a bout with, you know, Lyme rage and things just change all of a sudden from one second to the next. You can't change and you can't fix those things. And right there, it's humbling for me as well. And as a man, you want to run away. It's hard to admit, but it's true. You want to quit. And at the same time, you also want to either take up a hobby that's going to take more of your time or work harder. You know, that's easy for us guys to do. And I've decided to do all those things, you know. Um, but in all of this, we, I was just always pulled back and, and, uh, you know, I love Francis and I, I wanted to make this work and, uh, we, we worked through it, but, but yeah, I had my down, I had ups and I had downs that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to also, um, have in the film because I think it's important for, for the partners that are living with people with, you know, sick with Lyme to see that they're also not alone and, and um, and that's very important too, you know. But yeah, it's been difficult for the both of us. Lime is a marriage wrecker for relationship wreckers, mm. no doubt about that. Sure is. And I would imagine, you yeah, know, I'm not an expert in the in the other people with other, but any chronic serious disease, uh, I would imagine. But Lyme, yeah. Lyme particularly is, I think it has like with the early stages in age, it's it's still in that area where. People aren't quite sure it's real, and you know, once you've been through the, once yeah, you're Alice, right? Yeah. And you've been through the looking glass. Once you've been affected, it's like you see it all around you. But you can't remember before. It's like, it's, uh, come on, she doesn't look that sick, you know? Right. Yeah. You know? Is this really? Okay, let me go ahead. Yeah, let me make an interesting. Uh, let me let me make an interesting little interjection here. We uh, we went to Connecticut, and interviewed a family a family of four, mom, dad, and two boys, and all four of them have Lyme, including the dog. The dog is 15 years old and has Lyme. Poor thing can't even walk straight anymore. And they're just really close to Lyme, Connecticut, actually. And um, they, through the interview that is going to make the movie, actually, um, she made the trailer. You know, Elena, she's an incredible person, her and her husband, Rob. But uh, in this interview, I saw that these two, because of Lyme, their marriage was about to wreck. You know, the husband actually walked out, Rob walked out the door and everything was about to fall apart. And then something happened that they decided to fight Lyme together as a family. And the result of that is that they started helping each other, you know, with medication and this and the husband, if you watch the trailer, you'll, you'll see a little clip there of, of Rob helping Elena once a week, you know, he cleans her, um, flushes her port and stuff like that. It's what they call it their date night. And then at the end, Elena says, here's what Elena says. She says, you know, I never thought I would say this, but Lyme actually saved my marriage. Mm. 
Now, that is a bold statement to make and a dangerous one <laughs> because, again, we're going to go back to my, my other point. Oh, so if my marriage is failing, go get bit by tick. No, by, by all means, no, of course not. But what I'm saying is if you can get past the isolation, if you can, if you can unpeel that layer of isolation and fear and, and the desire to run away, and if you can come together as a couple, as a family, and say we're going to do this together, it unites. It changes. It transforms you from the inside out. And that's what we're also, we, we want to show this, you know, to people, because Lyme, um, we got bombarded with critics already, you know, on, on our site and, and on Facebook saying, you guys are just, once again, another movie about the victims of Lyme. No, on the contrary, it's not about the victims of Lyme. We're, we're tired of that. It's about the warriors of Lyme that saw at one point that they had to make a change. They had to not look at Lyme like this anymore, continue getting treatment and look at what Lyme can how it can change you in your in, in your relationship, you know, and in, in your and your friendships and so forth. It, it can. It's hard, but that's what we're trying to put together in this film, you know. So that couple, that family, just opened my eyes to that completely, and I started then seeing that in my relationship with Francis as well. That's yeah. some crazy stuff. Huh? That is some crazy. Stuff. We really, we really are set on um, sending out a message of hope, not only to those who are suffering with Lyme, but to those who are surrounded yeah. or by someone with Lyme or who are the caregivers to those with Lyme, because I agree with yeah. your statement, um, McKay, that it, it wrecks marriages. And I think um, mm -hmm. aside from wanting to show mentally and emotionally the damage that it does, you know, just psychologically and biologically in the, the patient, um, we also wanted to show what it does to relationships. And, but, but we, we wanted to, like Tony said, you know, to show that um, you have to fight to overcome these things. You know, you cannot lay down. You cannot give up. You cannot become a victim. You just have to keep moving forward, pushing forward day by day and, and stick it out together. And, you know, it's just like no matter what, you can't give up. So, yeah. So I, I think um, I'm excited that we live in a day and age right now, McKay, that there's um, there's a few documentaries that are coming out online right now. That really excites me because the, the word has to get out. And they're, they're all hitting on different aspects, you know. And I think that one um, Under Our Skin came out. It was a very clinical documentary about what happens and the effects and so forth. And, and it's a very important documentary. Uh, and there's a couple more that are coming out right now. There's, there was one that was very strongly political about the, the evil behind the, you know, the CDC and all this stuff. And those things are, have their importance. But we're hidden on something a little different. We're, we don't want to only show the clinical side. We don't want to only show the political side. We want to show that you have to fight and you have to take off your mask and come out of isolation and unite with that person that loves you and, and, and in the process, it, you will be transformed inside out on the other side, you know, if you, if you make it work. So that's, it's all pieces of the puzzle. You know, these films, I think, that are coming out, it's exciting to me. When I was a young boy in high school, I lived in Annapolis, uh -huh. and I spent the summer with a little 14-foot dinghy uh, and, and about... 25 crab pots in, in the <laughs> harbor outside of an Annapolis. And we'd get up in the morning and go oh, a friend awesome. of mine tend these crab pots. And 
we'd go past the Naval Academy. And in the middle of the summer, they bring in the plebes, the first years, and they have physical therapy or whatever they called it on this, what's now a lacrosse field, right on the water. So it would be daylight in the middle of summer. So that's early, right? That's got to be 6 a.m., 5.30 a.m. And they're out there doing calisthenics, right? And what they're doing is they're breaking them down, right? So there, mm. there, are, many, oh. there are many different ways to break people down. But, oh my but you said out of that, if there's a purpose and if there's, you know, you, you bring this up and you, it's this day and age we dance around faith so much. But people yeah. with faith, there's somebody mm-hmm. or something you can lean back onto when everything else has been yeah. stripped away that's eternal. Right? Yeah, and yeah. it's, it can be done without faith, but it can be a little bit more difficult. You have to, you have to find something. You have to find something. Well, if I may interject along those lines, surprisingly, um, it seems like we, I mean, we were contacted by thousands of people who wanted to be in this film. And, and in the beginning, we weren't quite sure what the criteria would be because we didn't just want to take interesting stories or devastating stories. Um, so we started building the idea of the film and where we wanted to go with it, and we wanted to base it a lot off of relationships, and then we decided we also wanted to bring in positivity and hope along with that um, as a message. And so we, we just started going through people's stories and gleaning through them, listening carefully to the things that they had to say, and there were only a few who actually had anything positive to say, you know, as an outcome of Lyme. And and those were the ones that we reached out to and we said, we want to know your story. We want you to tell your story. Um, and what has Lyme done for you? How has it changed you? And um, surprisingly, uh, as we've met up with these people who we've never met before, you know, we don't know them. It seems like um, each one of them has had a um, a spiritual awakening, so to speak, you know, where they're like, I recognize now that this cannot all be for nothing. There has to be a purpose behind this. Otherwise, just, you know, kill me today because there's no reason why I should be suffering living my life like this. I mean, there comes a point um, with Lyme where it literally, um, it, 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 it takes so much away from you. Um, there's so many losses that, um, you know, unless you have that fighting spirit to say, I'm going to find the purpose behind it, I'm going to see what this has, what lessons this has to teach me, then uh, you you oftentimes will fall down and either become a victim of that or very, very angry and bitter. And, and that coupled with Lyme is no way to live life. I mean, if you mm-hmm. you have to live life with Lyme, you might as well find a way to, to, to beat it, get out of it, or have a, a better perspective on life while you're going through it, because otherwise, you know, it, you're almost burying yourself, so to speak. And, and I recognize that that's a very bold statement as well, but it just seems that um, you, we've, we've met a couple different prototypes uh, when when we've listened to various stories and, and, and that's why we decided to make it a message of hope because it's very, it's a very dark disease. Um, you know, there's people who are yeah. bedridden 
There's people who've lost their homes, lost their jobs, they've yeah. lost their marriages. And, um, and I, I can only imagine what that fight looks like. And then to feel isolated and alone on top of that. I mean, it, it can be very, very depressing, but, but you, you know, you have to be stronger than it, so to speak. So that's just my take on it. <laughs> Hum- humbly yeah. said, that's just my take on it. <laughs> you've, it's not only your take, you've kind of been there and through that a little bit. And, and so here's an interesting yeah. question, and this is going back. I'm going to make a statement, and then I'm going to ask a question about that. Because, Tony, you talked yeah. about the difficulty starting this Facebook group for men. And absolutely, men want to get in there, fix things. And one of the most emasculating things as a husband yeah. or partner mm. is not being able to make that your partner happy. And what else do you do? So at some point in there, it is absolutely an ego thing. You either walk away, yeah. right? Find some other outlet yeah. for it. So, right, just kind of diminish the relationship. Or you figure out another role. As as a, mm. as a man, and it's th- th- the other role as a man is just to stand there and mm. be there and yeah. be that lighthouse where these waves of emotion just crash against. And it's one; it's actually yeah. one of the most important roles that we have as a as a as a man. And then, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm putting myself out here too because we usually don't get into uh, sexual stereotype roles here. But really, as as the as the masculine <laughs> person in the relationship, whatever gender you are, whatever you want to talk about, that's the role is just to be there as your partner crashes yeah. up against you in these times of crisis wow. and simply having somebody there and immovable as this storm's mm-hmm. going on somehow is oh my gosh right tell francis am i right yeah oh yeah i mean just your description alone um it triggered a bunch of memories where <laughs> where i felt like um because he was able to stand and be stable, um, I found my way back. You know, there were so many times where I hit, I would go deep, deep into depression or deep into isolation or abandonment, whatever it was that I was suffering with that day or that week. Mm. And he would have to literally reach out his hand, pull me out, sometimes pull me out of the closet because that's where I would go hide. Pull me out of the closet and say, we are going to kick this thing's butt today. You, I'm not going to let you stay in here all day. Come on, we're going for a car ride. And I would get in the car a mess, not even dressed, and I'd have tear-stained face, and and we would just start driving with no plan. And um, before you know it, you know, a half hour had gone by, an hour had gone by. By the time I'd get home, I felt so much better. I had got everything. You know, we talked openly. We had conversations. Um he shared, I shared, we came up with plans. Uh, every front, everything that looked like it was going to break us, we, we said, okay, the next time, what are we going to do to not let this thing take us down? And we just kept planning and planning and planning after every upset on how to overcome it the next time, the next time. And, and I really credit Tony with a lot of that because he, um, he was the stronger one in the relationship, you know, who, 
who, like you said, took a stand and just refused to let it all crumble. And there were times where I pushed him to his limits, and there were times where I saw that he uh, he needed a break or he, too, needed um, someone to take care of him. And, um, you know, I, I did my best when I was able to, and I think that's how we got through the uh, the rockiest moments in our relationship, mm. is just really communicating openly and, and, and sharing, um, you know, truthfully that um that we were both in this together fighting and we were both struggling through it together oh honey thank you for the the kind words we'll get some ice cream after the interview get some sugar free (laughs) ice cream after this (laughs) dairy free sugar free (laughs) exactly (laughs) gluten free sugar free ice cream anyone Sign me up. Actually, there's a there's a great recipe out there. It does uh, call for xylitol in it, but you can you can substitute whatever sweetener or no sweetener that you want. It's called Get Some Ice Cream, and the, oh, interesting. And it's, yeah, then they're talking about getting some of that is what they're talking about. And let's let's be honest here, McKay. That probably tastes nasty. Uh, it doesn't. It's not going to taste like a real ice cream. No, it's not that oh, bad. I made it. Yeah. I've made it. The, okay, okay. It's, oh. I'll, I'll tell you who who's the author of the the recipe. After, so he, he talks about it in terms of nourishment and in terms of uh, feeding uh, hormones at at a epigenetic oh. level that uh, ter- turns mm. on the happy hormones. Oh, so every time he <laughs> he serves this and and his, his friends back him up that he gets some after it. So. <laughs> It's it's Dave Asprey. Yeah, exactly. It's Dave Asprey, uh, who, huh. who has this uh, this bulletproof huh. movement and books. And so he started off uh, as as a fertility project. Uh, he and his and his wife uh, put together, and it's out there. If you if you Google get some ice cream, you'll see that it's dairy free, <laughs> sugar free. It actually tastes pretty good. Not mm. bad, not bad for I'll fake ice cream. That. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, because so the secret of good ice cream is the fat, right? Uh, exactly. It's the, uh, well, this is the, most the cream of, of the milk. Yeah, this is this is egg yolks oh. and MCT oil and uh, a couple of. Oh, other things, nice, nice, yes, nice. Exactly. Now, oh, boy, so my, so you start talking about fat and milk, and I'm thinking about my father-in-law's cows who are about you know 50 yards outside in the barn <laughs> right now. So I'm like totally distracted, but I want to bring this back. So Francis, we talked about we talked about this this emotional part and the roles here. And my question for both of you: Have you interviewed some a woman who was in the caretaker role, and how does that stress? So the woman doesn't have Lyme disease and her partner mm-hmm. does. How does does it stress a woman differently? Does it put different challenges on a woman to caretaker? Or do they just, and again, stereotypical, you know, is it more like in a woman's wheelhouse, like just to nurture and to tend to care for where they don't have this, this biological need to fix it? Just fix it. You know, my wife will tell me mm-hmm. when she comes home from work, she just needs to talk about it. She'll say, don't try to fix my problem. I just need you to listen to it. <laughs> And I'm thinking, you know, the first the first ten years she would do this, I was like, You're crazy. Why don't you just fix it and be done with it? She's already fixed the problem and came up with a much better solution than I ever would, but you just need to talk about it. So finally I figured that out and learned how to just be quiet and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm and be able to answer back if she asked me a question. So I paid enough attention to 
not just ignore her. So that's a secret tip. Well, coincidentally, we just interviewed a couple out of Colorado last week where the husband has Lyme and um, the wife and his mother are both the caretakers. So they kind of all live together. And I, I think that's a little bit more helpful that there's a nice balance there between mom and wife, you know, because wife is still out working trying to bring in income because the husband's no longer able to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed to me that she, she, she said that um, when she went to off to work, she works in the banking industry, that that was her, her outlet. So, to, you know, her outlet where she was able to just go and let it all out or forget about it or, you know, just, not have to deal with any of those issues. And then when she'd come back home, she knew that she had to attend to those needs or his needs or, you know, take care of um, him and support him. And so um, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how to answer that. Maybe Tony, maybe you can add a little bit more from your observation. I think that you're on the, uh, I think you said it. In my opinion, it's pretty much the same for both. Lyme is Lyme is asexual. Lyme just doesn't choose and doesn't, you know, it, it, it hits you and the other person goes through ups and downs equally as the as the opposite yeah. sex. You know, um, it, yeah, she, you know, she shared how some days were really, really hard and she would think that she had Lyme rage kind of thing. And, and just like us guys, you know, it's, it's, um, it's tough for both. Now, the man being the fixer upper and the woman not being so much, is there a difference there? Yeah, I think that the woman, um, the, 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 the female on the relationship that is healthy and doesn't have Lyme has a better tendency to, be more patient, wait more, you know, just understand that there's a process that just can't be fixed right away. I think that's maybe a positive edge that uh, the ladies will have. And there's a lot more sick guys with Lyme out there, but we men have a a more difficult tendency to come out and, and confess that now you're debilitated. Now you're not as strong as you were before. You know, it's difficult for guys. And, um, so, but, but I think that Lyme hits both equally. It just maybe women have a little bit more patience there because they're not such fixer uppers as guys, you know, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't have an answer. I was and, just very curious of what your perception is because they're, like you say, they're both roles out there, uh, the ter- yeah. caregivers. And it's something that's always in the back of my mind when I hear people's stories about who's out there taking care of whether it is family like people moving back in with their parents and the mothers taking care of them now or where they have lost all their relationships or or actually and a strangers taking care of them because their family just can't deal with them they don't believe they have Lyme or they just don't understand how this could be affecting them psychologically or just be so mm-hmm. debilitating uh, energy-wise that one day you can be up and kind of halfway normal and then the next day be completely wiped out. And it just it, for some people, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, what kind of disease is that? You know, that sounds like, you know, yeah. you're just faking it. You're just don't, you're just shirking your responsibilities, you know, get off your ass and get there. Yeah. 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 You know, the, the wife did make that almost exact statement in the beginning. She said she was wondering, you know, like, 
what, why can't you go to work? And what's wrong with you? And she, she didn't even know that, that it truly existed and how deeply it was affecting him. And then once she started to hear other people's mm-hmm. stories, it's when the light went on for her and she became Isn't more that something? sympathetic. That's crazy. That is crazy. The way this guy got bit, McKay, is insane. He was in his backyard in Colorado, of all places, and a tick that was probably on a bird up on the tree fell on his head. <laughs> bad luck, <laughs> we man. Did, really my bad friend, luck. If he was, if he was mowing the grass just an, a foot to the right, ah, it was just an agony of a story. And then your whole life yeah. changes yeah. because of that moment. Your whole life. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of crazy, man. Now, we have not... Uh, I, w- I wanted to make a little... An interesting comment here, my kid, if I, if I can. We we haven't interviewed everybody that we... We only interviewed, I think, uh, three... One, two, three or four uh, people. And there's, there's, there's ten more. more and there's, there's senators that we want to get and lawmakers and doctors and so forth. We actually interview... The doctor that um, supervised um, Francis's care, who was at uh, Invita Medical Center, and they did a fabulous job. You know, uh, they, they created some protocols there that were kind of brand new and really broke through and and, and helped her. I mean, 100. percent But uh, we're still in in our funding stages, and and we still need to. Um, um, we're going to be working the next two three weeks and and completing our funding so that we can continue interviewing and putting this film together. So we, um, we we don't have all the interviews yet. We don't have, like right now doing this interview, once we're done filming and we start editing, we're going to be two different people, I think, already, you know, with uh, with, with with information. So we're still at the um, maybe 10% tip of the iceberg here uh, with all the work ahead of us. And that's exciting. You know, that's, that's what we do. And we're we're growing and we, we started a, um, a nonprofit movement as well. We have the, the film itself that is a, a, to raise awareness, to, to incite change that way. And we, a lot of things happened to us because of this movie, uh, a lot of people wrote, I mean, I, I could read your emails of moms that said, can you please help? My 13 year old son has been bedridden for six months. He doesn't want to get up. He can't go to school anymore. I don't know what to do. I'm broke. Help. And we just sat there, what can we do? So, you know, meeting people, talking, this and that. We're going to meet with a couple of very important doctors in the next couple of weeks that I think are going to make a big change so that we can start helping people as well. We don't want just to make a movie and that's it, goodbye. We want this to be a, a movement that's going to help, that's going to, you know, people are going to be able to, through us get some form of treatment you know and that's that's what we want to see as well so that's the monster inside me um, movement as a whole looked at through a microscope all right now let's get down to nitty-gritty how can people Mm -hmm. a support you and this project if there's if they're moved they say wow this is great i want to give you a hundred bucks where can they do that and then B, if they're feeling, wow, I really want to help them, but I don't have a hundred bucks, what can they do? Yeah, that's those are great questions. <clears throat> so we have, um, we were doing a Indiegogo campaign, which just uh, ended last 
week, but we've left it open for uh, continuing contributions. But as Tony mentioned, this year, or I'm sorry, this week, we just got cleared with our um, nonprofit. So going forward, people. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. We had no idea what we were jumping into. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, I just wanted to do a little documentary on YouTube, and now here we are forming an an organization. So, um, But but it's all for the good. Um, So now people who are able to contribute will be able to benefit with the tax write-off deduction. And... We have uh, we have the links up for both of those at our Facebook page, or actually we have we still have the link up for our Indiegogo on Facebook. And Tony, you can share the um, the website, uh, which should so we have it the Monster Inside Me um, dot com movie. Or uh, yeah, it's the movie website. But now this week we will be launching the organization. And I I don't know the website, Tony. You can tell them what that is. Yeah. So the we the film website is themonsterinsideme.com, and not to confuse anybody, the organization is themonsterinsideme.org. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we'll we'll put up links to both of those on the show notes. And, yeah, uh, and they'll link back and forth yeah, to each other. Okay. So. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So if you Google so the monster, if you yeah. Google the monster inside me, you'll both get dot com and dot org. I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope so. if we pick, get a little bit bigger, right now we um, we had a hard time with this uh, with, with coming up with this name because we're putting the name out All there right. because it's so perfect. It's the, the name of this film is so perfect with the theme of the film and and what how how, how people with Lyme feel. You know, there's this monster, this. And but at the same time, I don't know if you've heard, uh, you've seen it, but there's a there's a TV show called Monsters Inside Me. It 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 it, it goes um, very broad on different parasites that you can get in your body, you know, and parasites and viruses and everything. Whereas we're only talking about, of course, the monster inside me being Lyme and Lyme rage and all those things. But we decided to stick with it and make it a movement of our own, you know, and. Um, we are, we have faith that it'll, it'll grow to the point where people will know the difference between the two or not, but you know, it's a risk we're taking. And, but yeah, we hope that when people Google, um, we will be up there, both organization and the film site for visibility. Fantastic. And if people just want to stay in touch with what you're doing is, is the Facebook page, the best way to do that, just to follow you there. Yeah. Do you have a mailing list? Uh, how how organized you are you on all the PR stuff? Yeah, the the Facebook has worked the best for us. We do have an email, and you know some people have contacted contacted us directly. But it seems like our Facebook page is pretty active, um, both from our standpoint and those who are following us. Um, you know, we we are up there every every other day posting news or comments and the people it, it's just making it round now where um you know people are just actively um commenting and um inboxing us and sharing the page so so far facebook has worked really well for us yeah. we also have an instagram page um that we started a little bit later so it doesn't have the exact same following but that's um it, it's building up pretty strongly right now as well 
So beautiful. And a Twitter. Oh, our email. And a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally getting plugged social into all stuff. the social avenues. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't. I keep saying uh, uh, we wouldn't be able to do all this if it, you know if this was 1985. Yeah. You know, and we yeah. we, we we had to shoot with film and all that, and yeah. and it was just newspapers and word of mouth. It's it's changed. Everything's changed. The 21st century where. We have Facebook, you know, pages and Instagram, and it's crazy. It's insane. And we have our um, our email address is warriors at the monster dot com, and and we get you know daily email from people of all kinds of stuff. So we're we're always reading that as well. Brilliant. And I want to thank both yes. of you for the generosity of sharing your story and, and your time, which is the most precious commodity we seem to have these days. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Okay, Appreciate that. You're welcome. And I want to give you the, the last word. Like, Is there anything that you want to wrap up with that hasn't been said or that you'd like to highlight in a way of uh, kind of putting a nice bow on this interview? I really love talking to both of you. Yeah, I think we probably both. (laughs) Yeah, you want me to? Okay. So, you know, uh, Tony and I have taken on this project together, and um, I'm originally a photographer, and he's doing what he does now as a filmmaker. Um, And we decided, I decided, since I'm the one who went through Lyme, that um, the pieces and the parts of the movie that I want to have added would speak in general to people who are unfamiliar with Lyme and people who um, are caregivers and supporters, family, friends of um, people with Lyme. And Tony, you know, since he's been in, in this fight with um, both fists up, he, he wants to be the one shouting to the Lyme sufferers, don't quit, don't give up. He He wants to be the one to make sure that there's pieces and parts of it, the story in the film that communicate hope. And um, so from my perspective, um, it's very important for me to, to, to speak to family members and friends who don't understand what this disease is all about and who don't understand what they are living through or what they are witnessing um, that it is a very devastating disease that is a wormhole. There's no end to it. I mean, the, the issues, the problems that it causes in the body and in the mind are are unending, and it, it radically changes the person, and um, that that person is living a whole new life now that it sometimes doesn't even resemble anything to who they once were. And, you know, my, I just hope that people will take the time to educate themselves. Um, this is a, an epidemic that seems to be spreading very quickly. And, um, I don't think that we should be ignorant to, um, you know, because mm-hmm. so many people these days live an active lifestyle. They like to go out hiking and camping and running through the mountains. And I mean, and it's that easy to just, out of nowhere, be bitten and not even know it, which is what happened to me. But to not be educated about what the symptoms are, how do I identify it, how do I get tested for it, how do I recognize um, 
the changes that are going in my body, going on to my body and, and get treatment, you know, or support the friend who's going through it. I guess that's just my plea is that people would, um, you know, educate themselves so that they can be sympathetic, compassionate, and, and, and know when it strikes. I believe like that it's a possibility like cancer nowadays, everybody knows someone or has been affected by cancer in some way. I think that it's quite possible with Lyme disease, we're going to see the same thing happening in the next decade, oh, if not sooner. Yeah, easily, easily. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's nice. I would like to challenge the listeners of Lyme Ninja Radio to go to your loved one, the one that, the, the, that person in your life or somebody that you know and love that has Lyme, and if they're down and you look them in the eye and you say, listen, don't give up. There's hope. You're going to get, you're going to beat this. Just keep fighting. Watch their eyes as they as they shine. Watch their eyes as they start to change, and it's it's incredible. Lime strips away hope, and and makes you pushes you to isolation. But you know when we get together and we when we fight together as warriors, and 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 there's words of affirmation like that. That's when we begin changing, and and that's when we start. Um, seeing that the other person is back in the fight. That's what we want. That's what we want, you know, to do with this film. Get back in the fight. Get educated. Get back in, back in the fight, you know, and, and you can beat this disease. So um, that's our message, my friend. That is our message from the monster inside me. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, we'd appreciate it if you would show your support by subscribing. Simply go to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you'll see the subscribe button right underneath the featured episode. And last, as you long-time Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know that before he goes to bed, the boogeyman checks under his bed for ninjas? Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.